Eating disorders are really miserable. Being out of control. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to be a helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change.
some interesting research just recently came out suggesting that um, uh, all female environments have higher rates of eating disorders for whatever reason. Um, there's lots of other advantages, but that mm-hmm. just tends to happen. Well, that's kind of like, is it possible like bullying in an all-female environment environment might be less physical and more psychological? More social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, this is just... I don't have any research to back this up, but based on just anecdotally, I think, um, you know, in in that adolescent period, people are trying to figure out who they are, what their identity is. They're trying to, um, they're trying desperately to um, have a social community, right? And so if there is a a social standard that gets established that... um, say, being extremely thin is the standard, right? Then I think there there would be, um, I think there's just a pull to go towards whatever that standard is. And I think in an all-female environment, especially, there might be um, a c- competition element to it, right? Whereas... Um, Whereas perhaps in a larger school, maybe one that's more diverse, there would be different ways in which people felt like they could um, have a social community or or stand out in mm-hmm. in their social community. I feel like it just got really narrow in the high school that I went to, um, and you know I saw a um, a lot of my peers. I saw. One thing I really try to emphasize to people when I work with them clinically and um, when I talk to them about the research I do is um, eating disorders are really miserable. Um, They are not this glamorized thing that you sometimes see in the media. Um, They are the model with the perfect hair and oh, she's a little skinny, but I mean, look at the picture. Yes. Give me a break. Do you want to get into the down and dirty of it? Because I don't think people realize like... Well, I'll let you talk about yeah. it, and then I want I want people to know how gruesome it is. For anyone yeah. 12, 13, 14 listening to this, and they're starting to fall into that trap, right? let's just nip it in the bud. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, uh, there is just tremendous social, uh, I'm sorry, emotional pain that goes into it. Um, so, you know, what I was seeing firsthand at that time was um, uh, people who were good friends of mine who had, had all this... Um, personality and zest for life and seeing the eating disorder rob them of um, anything other than being concerned about, you know, the next meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I remember uh, I have this vivid memory of one of my friends who was very ill at the time. Um, uh, her... Um, just having a crisis and her mother holding her and sobbing over her and saying like, I don't know what to do, you know, and, and just this pain that, um, the family's experience too. Um, it, it made me really interested in how do we help these people who are suffering tremendously? Mm -hmm. Um, because I also saw at the time, um, people getting mixed results out of going to treatment. So some people, going to treatment and getting better and some people um, really not finding what they needed. And so that really compelled me to try to figure out how can we best help this group of people who are so wonderful but suffering so immensely. Can you narrow down the time frame for me? 
I'm sorry? What time frame are we talking about when you say the treatment wasn't what a lot of people needed? Because that evolves too over time. Oh, right? yes. I'm, I'm just talking about the friends I had in high school, you know, so yeah. this is over a couple of years during that initial probably stage of their eating disorder. Now, I will say um, the people that I had experience with, most of them I've gone on to have, from what I can tell, lives that are full and um, and have as again, as far as I, I still know them, I seem to have overcome a lot of those struggles. And that's what we see in the research is um, lots of people do um, recover from eating disorders. It just takes time, mm-hmm. as I think you're indicating. You know, um, I think the average amount of time it takes is, you know, close to a decade. Um, wow. Yeah. So there is a chance for people who are maybe being diagnosed at 12 or 13, if you start addressing at that point, noticing the behaviors and saying, okay, this isn't just a person who generally wants to be fit. This is a person who maybe feels guilty with every bite they take. Yes. And it's beyond like, because there's so many people who can play devil's advocate these days and say, hey, listen, eating disorders are important, but the reality is in America, in a lot of countries right now, there's a lot more people dying from you know, the opposite. Mm-hmm. And eating disorders aren't just restrictive either, that people need right. to understand Absolutely. that yes. when I start a podcast to help people who are trauma survivors and, and suffering from eating disorders, they can look any possible shape you can imagine. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. So I think the restrictive ones get a lot more attention because mm-hmm. it's just so bizarre with all of our evolution and like instinctive programming for anyone to refuse food. Mm-hmm. It's It seems a lot less natural and it seems right. a lot easier to just have that extra bite. So I think that's why maybe it gets more attention. Um, I hope that the attention would even out. Well, and the truth of the matter is most people who have an eating disorder are either at um, at what would be considered like, you know, a typical or normal BMI or, hmm. or higher. Um, actually, people who are in larger bodies often struggle more with eating disorder behaviors, including restrictive eating, mm-hmm. um, than, than um, other people. So... Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up that, um, sometimes I think people think, oh, well, that person looks like they're healthy, so they must not really have an eating disorder. And that's, you can't, you can't tell from the outside at all. Yeah. I want to come back to that, but we were talking, uh, for a second about, uh, um, this, this myth that it's a glamorous thing to have. Yes, so yeah. feel free to get into any of the physical aspects of it that you think people probably don't know. Absolutely. So um, I can't tell you how many times um, I get these comments when I tell just lay people out in the community what I do. Um, I get comments like, oh, I wish I had a little bit of anorexia, you know, grabbing their stomach or whatever. Seriously. And, um, yeah. And it, and it makes me so upset um, because... Um, because these are very, very serious disorders. So first of all, eating disorders have among the highest mortality rates of um, any psychiatric disorder, right? So um, higher even than something like schizophrenia or... Um, depression, anxiety. Depression, anxiety. That, su- that yep. stat surprised me when I saw it was the most lethal mental illness and yes. it gets almost, you know, compared to some of the other ones, very little research funding. That's right. That's like right. Just eat, chew, and swallow. Like there's not, there's no problem to solve here, but that's not the case. Yes. Um, I, I have a whole soapbox I could get onto about that, but... Uh, well, I'll, this is the place I'll to do it. <laughs> I can always edit. <laughs> okay. Well, my soapbox... We'll, we'll bring that up. We'll yeah, talk about Yeah, we funding. can come back to yeah. that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so the, these are these are lethal 
deadly disorders, and even for um, and also um, medically severe disorders, right? So maybe um, you have an eating disorder and it it you don't die from it, but you um, ha- can have really very serious medical issues, um, ranging everywhere from. Um, Things like uh, imbalance of chemicals in your blood that can put you into the hospital. Electrolytes, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, And uh, dental issues, issues with uh, bone density, um, GI issues. I mean, the list goes on. Um, But I think even beyond that, a thing I want to stress is, okay, let's say it's not unusual to see somebody who doesn't acutely have these physical effects. Um, but just as important, the psychological effects are just as damaging. Um, so um, the rates of depression and anxiety among people with eating disorders are sky high. Um, y- you you see people who are suffering tremendously. Um, you know, you see things, um, you know, ranging from, um, you know, taking four hours to be able to decide what to eat for a meal to um, stealing food to have um, an eating binge or, um, you know, spending all day binging and binge eating and purging, Um, things like that where it's just, um, it's just not a very happy way to live. Stealing because they're uh, embarrassed at how much they're buying and they don't want to show up to the counter with that? Or or because they've run out of money, right? Just literally These are, the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's those are just some examples of the ways you can see people really push to the extremes with, with, um, their, with the messages the, their eating disorder is sending them. Um, and so um, it's... it's um, I have yet to meet somebody who has an eating disorder who says this is uh, an enjoyable way to live. Um, Some people um, accommodate their lives around it and that's, you know, um, that's what it is. But uh, even in that case, it's, it's, it takes away from the enjoyment and fulfillment of life. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to say though, um, and this gets to your point before that people who recover from eating disorders often go on to have very fulfilling, um, connected lives. Um, and you you were mentioning, you know, for people who are young out there who are first starting to uh, struggle with eating disorder behaviors, one of the best things that um, can happen is somebody to get treatment early. Mm-hmm. Um, time and again, we see that. Um, Early um, detection and early intervention leads to the best outcomes. That's not to say somebody who um, doesn't get treatment for a while um, can't recover and won't, but it it is. Um, I would really urge, you know, parents or people or adolescents who are um, starting to notice these things for the first time to try to get treatment um, because most people present for treatment the first time seven years into their eating disorder. Present is interesting. I hear statistics a lot of times um, around uh, what percentage of people who have an eating disorder have been been diagnosed. And I've heard as low as 10%, that there are 90% of them out there are being untreated. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the most lethal mental 
disorder to have a 90% non-treatment statistic. Like these numbers just don't compute. I can't understand how we got to this point. Uh, I know. It, it's a really big problem. Um, one of the issues is that most people, uh, the most common place for anybody to seek any treatment for a mental health concern is their primary care doctor. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Or, or Dr. Google too. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, uh, but, you know, most primary care physicians in, in most medical training, the best that uh, people get is one co- seminar, um, a one-day seminar on eating disorders. If anything, right? I've, yeah. I've again, I'm, I'm glad you're here because I've read a lot of things and I want to remember what's true and what mm-hmm. stats in my head are accurate. Um, but that there are a lot of, you know, otherwise reputable uh, medical schools that don't require any coursework. There's nothing actually required. If it comes up, great. But you don't have to have a single hour of credit and studying the most lethal mental illness mm-hmm. to become a doctor. I feel like that's worth fixing. Yeah, um, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and let me say that when um, it can be easy to, I think um, there are a lot of missteps that uh, medical professionals can make, and so it can be easy to um, think that they're they are to blame. But almost all the MDs I've spoken to. Um, are very eager to learn more. Yeah. Um, they just have, haven't had access to that. And like you said, um, yeah. there's no requirement. And, um, and so I, I completely agree. Um, you know, uh, I, there's no requirement in any sort of, um, I don't want to misspeak, but there's no requirement to get in-depth training of any sort in um, any sort of counseling profession either mm-hmm. um, pertaining to eating disorders. So it's a lot of people just don't even know um, what to do when they have somebody who's who's struggling with eating an eating disorder in front of them. And the eating disorder in the mental health community is so, I mean, to me, what what's so dangerous about it is that it's this nebulous cross. It's like an estuary. It's mm-hmm. this nebulous cross between the mental and the physical. And for some people, um, it's playing out very visibly on their body. And there's humiliation stigma associated with that, whether they're bigger or, or leaner. Um, you know, it could be dangerous either way. And for others, the danger is the invisibility. And right. it's it's easy to say, okay, well, here's the way we're going to run a, a you know general practice. Um, we'll refer out when when it's a mental issue. Mm-hmm. But this person seems I put them on the scale. They look fine, and they didn't say they have an eating disorder. So I you know I don't see anything. It's just so easy to miss. And mm-hmm. like you said. I don't blame any individual. They're just not being trained. That's right. I, my my guess is the average um, physician is not asking the questions that would be um, necessary to even know if somebody's doing anything with their eating that um, could be considered disordered. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scale, as you said, is not a good marker. Sometimes it can tell us about one set of symptoms, sure. um, but uh, it's it's not a it's not a great marker of what's going on in terms of. Um, somebody's struggles with eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely agree. Um, it's interesting. I was just speaking to a colleague who is a psychiatrist um, who works with another one of the um, faculty who uh, study eating disorders in our group. And they tend to see the same patients because one's a psychiatrist, one's a psychologist. They go to 
get behavioral treatment from the psychologist and see the psychiatrist for um, like med management and mm-hmm. stuff. And she says um, that uh, the psychologist will always pick up on eating eating disorder behaviors that she never picks up on because that's not her specialty area, right? Wow. Um, and and she was similarly saying, I wish I knew more. I wish I understood more what to look for. And was um, actually, this was really great. She was asking more, me more about how do I identify somebody who might be struggling with this. It's basic screening, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I w- and we have some screening measures, just really brief ones that can, uh, questionnaires that can start to pick up on some of this. Um, but even just knowing what are the symptoms, um, you know, what does binge eating look like? Um, what does restrictive eating look like? What are the different ways people do things to try to rid their bodies of calories after they've eaten? Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Uh, for instance, she was saying, um, well, I ask about binge eating, um, but if they say they don't eat a very large amount of food, I don't, I, you know, mo- most people say, don't say they eat, you know, two or more meals worth of food at any given time. Mm-hmm. But those of us in the eating disorders community know actually the thing that's more harmful than the amount of food people are eating is that feeling of being really out of control of your eating. Can't control it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she she didn't know, for instance, to look for that. Um, so I, I think some basic education and also, you know, for oh. for that matter, for parents too. Parents don't know what to look parents, for. Parents, counselors, coaches, teachers. Right. I mean, up and down the line, right? That whole takes a village thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to that because that seemed like a simple tweak that could make a difference in someone's life. Just going from changing a question to, if I heard this right. Yeah. Do you think you eat too much to, do you feel like you can control the amount you eat mm-hmm. or do you feel like it's out of control when you make those decisions? Is a, is like a, a better screen kind of? Yeah. Um, the way we like to talk about it is do you, um, sometimes when you eat, have this sense that you've lost control, like you can't control what you're eating or how much you're eating. Mm-hmm. You can't stop yourself once you've started that um, experience of, being out of control, not not necessarily all the times you eat, but at least sometimes, um, that is a that seems to be a better indicator of if somebody's struggling with um, binge eating than if you ask, do you eat what you think is too much? Because also you'll get people sometimes who are eating very very little who think what they're eating is too much. Yeah, they think it's out of control and it's like it could fit in the palm of their hand, right? Exactly. That's I right. think that perception piece is important. Every now and then I'll see something like, okay, well we need to stop doing anything to do with the standard, you know, medical check. Stop weighing people. Stop this. Stop that. Because mm-hmm. it can all embarrass embarrass people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and they say, well, you know, teach intuitive eating. But I feel like the disorder is when the intuition is failing you. That's right. So how can we say rely on your intuition when this person can barely stand and they're going to the hospital for electrolyte imbalance and the other one is confined to a room because they can't even get out the door? Like, mm-hmm. there's a time when we have to say intuition isn't working anymore. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!